What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. My good friend David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual on This Week in Cannabis News. You can find them on Twitter at Okanagan Z and check them out online at Okanagan Z. Dot com. Uh, David, it is uh, great to have you uh, back on the show. Uh, we missed you last week, especially me trying to do the news segment by myself. But bantering <laughs> by myself doesn't always work so well. I hear you on that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, been been a little rough. Uh, you know, I had a cold and then we got record snowfall here in the Okanagan. Uh, it's uh, it's happy to be here, be with you and have things normal again. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the stories that uh, we're going to talk about, uh, this first story is, you know, these are the things that I really can't wait to start happening more regularly and that we are starting to see uh, clinical trials producing results that cannabis can at least help people. And in this particular case, we're talking about chemotherapy patients. Yeah, you bet. So th- this was the world's largest trial of uh, medicinal cannabis uh, at the time that it launched in Australia. And just another bit of research to add to this uh, wonderful pile that we've been getting of information on cannabis and what it can do for people. Um, you know, the pilot phase of the study ran for two and a half years with 81 participants enrolled. And to be included in this study, patients had to have already experienced nausea and vomiting during chemotherapy. Uh, despite having taken nausea prevent prevention medication. So cannabis being a solution that's offered when other things don't work. Uh, nausea and vomiting are really two of the most common debil- debilitating side effects of chemotherapy. And this study found that a quarter of the patients taking medicinal cannabis experienced no vomiting and nausea compared to 14% of people who took a placebo. Uh, those results have now been published in the Annals of Oncology. Uh, there was a Canadian connection too. Actually, patients use cannabis supplied by the Toronto-based Tilray. Uh, Peter Grimison, who is a medical oncologist at Chris O'Brien uh, Lifehouse and associate professor at the University of Sydney, uh, and the leader here of this study, said that nausea and vomiting are among the most distressing and feared consequences of chemo. And he said that these encouraging results actually show that medicinal cannabis can improve quality of life for patients and that cannabis did include side effects uh, like dizziness and drowsiness and about one-third of people but those side effects are considered manageable now uh, the trial is going to now move into a larger phase to determine with more certainty how effective medicinal cannabis is for these patients and whether it should be considered for use in routine cancer care so that next phase is ongoing and is going to recruit an extra 170 people so we'll be following along with that yeah, uh, this is uh, such good news. Uh, you know, I, I watched my mom, unfortunately, uh, go through chemotherapy way too many times that I want to remember. And, you know, we lived in Brandon, so we would drive to Winnipeg, and the whole two-hour drive back to Brandon would just be her sitting in the backseat getting sick uh, because of the the side effects. And, and if there, if imagine if I could have just given her a cookie to eat and, and, and take some of that nausea away. I mean, I've my lifetime for a cookie at that moment. And I saw my wife go through chemotherapy. Thankfully, she's still here. And we did use some cannabis in, in some of her treatments. So 
you know, and, and this is and this is just the the tip of the iceberg, David, because this is talking about how we're treating some of the side effects of the treatment. In time, as we go, we are going to be talking about cannabis as a treatment for some things. There are going to be some things that it's not going to treat that like modern medicine can't, but this is just the very start. Uh, we start with some of the symptoms and then, you know, down the road, we're talking about cannabis curing some things out there or helping and helping to be a part of the solution. So I, I'm so glad that there's a Canadian connection as vol- involved as well. Yeah, absolutely. And here in Canada too, cannabis is actually already commonly used for cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And the Canadian Cancer Society says that uh, we talk about research, that more research is still needed. Uh, to find out the dose and the type of cannabis that helps the most with the fewest side effects and how medical cannabis might interact with other drugs used to treat cancer. We we really are on uh, an amazing road and journey to see how this is going to be used to help people. 100%. Uh, well, one guy that we know is uh, always trying to help people, whether it's trying to make them laugh or make them feel better about their cannabis use is Seth Rogen. And listen, you know, Canada is really lucky. We had Tommy Chong carrying the joint early on. Uh, and now we have Seth Rogen kind of picking up that mantle, not to say that Tommy Chong is going anywhere, but really lucky in Canada to have two legendary cannabis advocates in the entertainment industry. Yeah, legendary is right. You know, Seth Rogen once again pushing cannabis into the spotlight. And he's beating the same drum here that many of us have been pounding for a while. And that's that cannabis should be as accepted as alcohol. And in a recent interview with the National News Service, the Canadian Press, and that was published far and wide, Rogen said that there is a constant cloud of shame around smoking cannabis while he grew up in Vancouver. And, you know, that shame still lingers in places. Uh, Rogan says that he spe- he smokes weed all day, every day, and has for 20 years. He says for him it's like glasses or like shoes, and that it's something that he just needs to navigate life. Uh, now, Rogan's really helped to break the stigma globally by normalizing weed in the Hollywood spotlight through his films, including Pineapple Express. Uh, he says that people have tried to make it seem like he's weak or he's stupid for integrating it so completely into his life. But, like, look at the guy. He's now almost 40, he's married, and nobody can't say that he's not successful because he is one of the best known and most beloved actors in Hollywood. And now he's working with his childhood friend turned business partner, Evan Goldberg. They founded their own brand, Houseplant, uh, that a lot of us have tried. And, you know, they've really been pushing to make cannabis as accepted as booze. And Houseplant is the creator of different drinks that have really become some of the best-selling ones on the market. And he would like to see the day where those drinks are actually sold in the bar, Uh, you know, and it just is a normal part of life. And really, don't we all? A hundred percent. And I love his quote at the end saying, first, let's get bars open again, and then let's start selling cannabis drinks in these bars. And um, they're coming out with a new lemon flavored drink. They also are are very, very... um, uh, working hard and, and, and very strong advocates of getting, uh, you know, criminal records expunged for the people that have been affected by uh, cannabis. So uh, I, I think this guy is the just a great spokesperson for the plant recreationally, uh, you know, or medicinally as well. I love how he says, uh, uh, you know, we're coming up with this new grapefruit uh, drink. And uh, he, his slogan, he wanted it to be for people who don't like grapefruit because that's what they heard a lot of from. So that, 
But the other interesting story <laughs> is that his childhood friend and 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 partner, uh, Mr. Goldberg, is talking about how his mother is now trying cannabis, and this is something she used to yell at him uh, when he was a teenager for coming home high. And you know, isn't that the ultimate thing? You know, to get those people that once thought this was the devil's lettuce to start using it in in whatever form. So kudos to these two guys and, uh, you know, kudos for them to not just put out a product, but also try to advocate uh, to get rid of the stigma. So, so they're working it on both ends. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I love that part with, uh, you know, with his mom, I can, I can absolutely relate with both of my parents. Definitely not accepting that side of my life when I was younger. And now they're uh, two of my greatest fans. So thanks to my mom and dad. Yeah. And, and also what I like is that they're also looking at this and saying, you know, our drinks are really healthy for you too. They don't contain a lot of sugar and, and we don't want to get into edibles until we find uh, a really healthy alternative. So, the, so they're not just looking at this and saying, here's a bunch of cannabis, do whatever. They're really trying to be responsible with not only the cannabis they produce, but the message that they put out there. So, uh, you know, th- these guys, uh, they should be poster children uh, for the cannabis industry right now. I, I think, I think they're doing a great job. I agree. All right, let's get to uh, something that's not so great, and uh, this comes uh, right out of uh, the OZ, and that, you know, we've talked about this in the past. There are people that have been complaining about illicit cannabis websites, stores, whatever, and they seem to be speaking to a brick wall right now. Boy, oh boy. Talk about illicit versus illegal. What a thorny issue. And I'll tell you, any time that I write or comment on unlicensed stores being illegal, especially when referring to those that are on Indigenous land, I'm often called a bigot or ignorant. And, you know, when it comes to licensed retail stores out here, none of them want to be quoted openly because they don't want to have repercussions to their own businesses. Uh, Just talking about stores that are unlicensed and whether it's how to enforce them or how to bring them online. Uh, Nobody seems to be offering solutions. Now here in BC, uh, cannabis retailers have been expressing this kind of frustration over the lack of enforcement, uh, particularly in interior BC where I am. They're arguing that they're losing money, that they're increasingly at risk of going out of business, and even that after investing their life savings into the cost of complying with the law. Meanwhile, you have stores that are unlicensed that are really doing business in plain sight and mm-hmm. publicizing the profits in the media. Um, so before this weekend's provincial election, I requested an interview or a statement with all three of the province's major parties and their leaders, and no one even bothered to reply. No hmm. one wanted to talk about this. Now, emails that, uh, that we've got here show that retailers have been trying to work with officials and communicating their concerns with the RCMP's Community Safety Unit and the BC Liquor Cannab- Cannabis Regulation Branch, but they're being bounced back and forth. The government's deferring to the RCMP. Well, the RCMP is deferring back to the government and nobody is claiming any responsibility. Now the RCMP is saying, have you spoken to your MLA or MP? And our Solicitor General and uh, Minister of Public Safety here, Mike Farnworth, said that it's not up to him. In the email string, he said that the province does not provide operational direction to police forces. He said that he's sympathetic to the uh, alleged impacts on their businesses. And he's acknowledged that storefront and online illegal operators are an ongoing problem. However, he's rejected the proposed financial aid measures to help those legal stores, saying that it's impossible to determine which ones are actually impacted. Uh, And the RCMP, for its part, 
It just hasn't responded to any request for comment. So nobody really wants to talk about this. And there's got to be solutions. And, you know, I've reported numerous times about different Indigenous stores that are encouraging uh, others to go through the licensing process, for producers to go through the licensing process. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're an inclusive industry. That's extremely important. But we also need to make sure that there's a level playing field here for everybody that is going through it the right way. And hey, let's acknowledge here that one of the biggest reasons for legalization of cannabis in Canada was to uh, take out that black market and make sure that the product that is, that, that are, is on the street is safe, is, uh, has gone through those kinds of te the testing and, uh, and licensing that we need. So, you know, I just want to make sure that this is an inclusive industry and that we're looking at, at solutions and that these legal stores are not being ignored. Well, e even if we went back to the uh, story we just talked about with Seth Rogen, where he talks about there's no secondary liquor market anymore because we made it ridiculously dumb to start selling liquor you know unless maybe you live in the ozarks or something and you're selling moonshine i don't know or or whatever but there's no market for that anymore and that's what has to happen with this illicit market listen you know I, i'm 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 really getting i know the indigenous situation is very a gray area and 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 i i think that that is a situation where I don't know if I would refer to that as illicit because it's a gray area, but there are illicit websites out there. I get people reaching out to me on Instagram asking me if I want to buy cannabis all the time. And when I ask them, are you legal? Well, no. Well, then no, I don't want to buy your cannabis. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit tired about the bashing of the legal cannabis market, and it's almost becoming... The, the some some in the illicit market are becoming like those high school bullies. They think it's cool to bash the legal market and and talk about how trashy the cannabis is. Well, there's great cannabis out there. there there's also not good cannabis in the uh, the legal market. Just like there's bad hamburgers and there's bad beer and there's bad everything. There's good and bad in every single industry. So um, from the fact that nothing is getting done about some of these illicit stores websites and then the pushback onto the legal market it's getting very frustrating and 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 it's it's getting to be almost like a high school uh immaturity level uh from 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 my standpoint but like this is this is just basic illegal selling shut it down i don't know why everybody seems to not want to talk about this well i guess i know why because there was an election and and that's the big message here let's open up the conversation Let's talk about how to solve this and how to make sure that everybody can thrive in this industry. Uh, exactly. All right. Well, we know that uh, cannabis has been a bit of a talking point in the election down south and, you know, maybe not as much as it has been in past Canadian elections. But we know and we've spoken about the Biden-Harris plan to decriminalize. Uh, well, there's more of a push from some other American politicians and uh, one in particular who has a very high profile wants legalization. Yeah, add Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to your list, known most commonly as AOC, uh, to the powerful politicians of the U.S. who are standing up for cannabis. 
She said in a recent virtual town hall with Congressman Earl Blumenauer that she believes that cannabis legalization is extremely important. Uh, Blumenauer is an Oregon politician. He's been a staunch champion of cannabis legalization. Uh, and, you know, AOC noted that Oregon's model is a really good one to follow. And since she took office, she said that she's seen members on both sides of the aisle come together on issues concerning civil rights policy and civil liberties. And that absolutely includes ending the drug prohibition laws. More and more Republicans are becoming increasingly open to decriminalization or legalization of cannabis. And she said that her spending bill amendment to divert $5 million in funding to the Drug Enforcement Administration, for example, to an opioid treatment program uh, was approved in the opposition house in 2019. Hmm. The US is past due, she said, to legalize and expunge people's records from the absolutely unjust war on drugs. A hundred percent. And, you know, I I absolutely love uh, her passion. Um, I love how she stands up to the bullies. Uh, and and there seem to be a lot of bullies in uh, in American politics, and you know I shouldn't ex- uh, exclude Canadian politics. Uh, there's some of that going on too. But she stands up to them, and she stands up. Um, seems to be for the 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 common person and the person that you know. At, at one point, I, you know, people were making fun of the different jobs that she had and things like that. And she's like, I'm proud to have worked my way to where I am, as opposed to some people who were, you know, born on third base and claimed they'd hit a triple. So, <laughs> I think that her passion is great, and to have her supporting the legalization push is wonderful, and to have legalization and cannabis be some sort of um, you know olive branch. Pardon the pun a little bit is wonderful to be able to bring uh, these two parties together a, a little bit and and who who would have thought that you know when you were growing up saying this is your brain this is your brain on drugs and everything was you know that's the, that whole war on drugs and then you know Tommy Chong getting arrested it's just been an abomination and and it's great to see that there's maybe a push to try and maybe peel some of that back and give some of these people their lives back yeah i agree and it's interesting here hearing her talk about the different ways to go about legalizing cannabis in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one way is to concentrate power uh, to big banks and big companies and cut out small mom and pop shops. Uh, that's not what she wants to see. She wants to see right. the other path where everyday people, especially black and brown communities that have been disproportionately impacted uh, by the war on drugs, can be at the front of the line and enjoying the economic benefits of legalization and I think that that's great. And here in Canada, I think that that's something that we should also be putting an emphasis on uh, to make sure that there is a path for those communities, uh, Indigenous communities, to come in here and you join the party. Come on in, join the party. Yeah, everybody's invited. Uh, you know, and 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 when I talk about uh, the bullies of the the black market, I'm not talking about the people who properly want to make the transition because we need those people. There's a lot of people yeah. that view legalization as what it is, a good thing, and we can build it to a great thing. And then there's a lot of people that want to tear it down. So it's good to see that on both sides of the border, we do have people pushing this movement forward, whether it's a Seth Rogen or a, a, a AOC, as she's commonly known. So it, it's it's awesome to see in that way. And, and that's how we just do it. You know, I try not to get bogged down by the negativity of it sometimes. And, 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 and it's fortunate to have segments like this where, you know, my, my faith can be restored. So thank you for bringing forward some great stories this week, David. Thank you, my friend. Always good to uh, see you. 
All right. This has been This Week in Cannabis News. You can find, of course, more information on Twitter at Okanagan Z and check out the website, okanaganz.com. Thanks as always, David. Thank you.